30 to a minute, you know, and you're just like, I don't know what's going on and I don't know the next question to ask, but we're just sitting here looking at each other awkwardly. <laughs> to the Forever Young podcast, a podcast made by students for whoever I nailed it this time. Guys. Hey, good job, good job. Today's topic, we're going to go around uh, the student clinic and how to get prepared for it. And we're going to give a big shout out to Brett, who suggested this topic on our Facebook page. We're going to introduce our co-hosts for today. We've got Nick. Yo. I've got Tim. Hello. And Charlene. Hello. And I am Brennan. Um, okay, yeah, no, I, I get why it was a thing. Um, so yeah, today's topic, we're going to be prepare, uh, talking about preparing for the student click. Again, shout out to Brett for... Can we give B all the P words? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not breathing. The thing is, I'm so conscious of me breathing into the mic that... That everything becomes a P word. That everything, <laughs> I exhale as much as I can with every like constant, consonant that I get. So give me a B, I mean B. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, but at least B is full of bass. B is true. B. Anyways, <laughs> student clinic. We've been in student clinic treating by ourselves for a year now. Has it been a year? Uh, no. Uh, not yet. Like half a year treating months. by ourselves. Yeah. yeah, treating solo anyway. Yeah. But we've been co-treating for a year. So that's exciting. Two years. Yeah, under yeah. the belt. Yeah, true. That's, that's, I never actually gave it that much thought. Mm. Yeah, we're almost finished our little uni stuff. Oh, shut up. That's weird. Um, I know. It shocks me every time. Every time. So let's take it back to the very beginning of before we started the clinic. What was our perception of the student clinic? I know my first experience was either orientation or O-Day. I get them confused. Wait, they're the same thing. No, open day. That's the one. Right. Yeah. Did we meet on open day? Was that... No, no it was orientation. orientation. Yeah, no. And you, guys, with my family. and you guys look like like friends already. It was hella scary. Hey. Hey. I think the first person I met was Nick. Oh. I sat next to Nick and Nick had no idea that I was sitting next to him. No, probably not. Yeah, no. But it would have been nice. Yeah. It would have been friendly. Yeah, I was like, you came in kind of like a little bit later on. I did come in late. Yeah. Like very late. I remember like looking at you two. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Already friends, <laughs> legit met like two days ago. Yeah, bad. We got like Korean fried chicken together. That was so good. That we like shit. we ditched. I don't want to say ditched, but like there was some like program, like uni organized program going on. We're like, now nah, we want fried chickens, which is when it got Korean fried chicken. Yeah, they gave us free. Like, yeah, they gave us like uh, tokens. Oh no, no, did they give us tokens or we just got even? No, we just lined up. Yeah, yeah, they had like food trucks and stuff. Oh, that was so fun. That's so good. So good. Anyways, <laughs> student clinic is the topic of the day. So what did you guys think about student clinic? Right, yeah, we didn't, we didn't answer that at all, did we? Um, my perception of student clinic, I don't know. Um, my dad talked about clinic all the time when, you know, he was involved in that thing. Um, so I didn't really think of clinic much until I actually got into it. Uh, I don't know. I, didn't, I just thought of it as just clinic and I had no idea what it was about. Um, did you ever get treatment as like first years or... Anything like that? Yeah, I think I got a few treatments and I think it was helpful to know the process of what was going on and I got to go to 
the consult with the clinician, the um, whoever the student practitioner was, was like, oh, you study Chinese medicine. Why don't you come along and just listen? And I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, they're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> student clinic was my first experience with Chinese medicine treatment altogether. It was my first like acupuncture treatment and everything. So yeah, I was, I was thinking my mentality was like, if I wanted treatment, I could just go to my dad. You know, like so. And so I, as being a little bit close-minded. Uh, yeah. I would have liked to go back to uh, go like if I were to go back in time, I would have gone to actually get the experience of going to the student clinic. I'm not going to lie, my first um, experience and some of the experiences I had before I started treating in the student clinic or observing was a bit messy, and they were converting from like a paper based or computer based, and I feel like the consults and the whole process was just a bit messy, but. It, I don't know, it, it seems to be a lot better now that we're... Yeah, it's a lot more refined now, I reckon. You gotta say something to you? Yeah, okay. You're about to come through. Okay, no, I was just looking at you guys like, yes, that's that's true. I think um, the thing that... I, I, I'm the same where it's like, I've only had... The first time I had acupuncture was during that one time when you had acupuncture too, like third year, third year transitioning into clinic. That was actually just the first time I actually got acupuncture. Got acupuncture or got acupuncture from... Strong clinic, yeah, no, both. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Like, I actually, I don't know why I jumped into Chinese med. Oh, shit, I'm having, like, an existential crisis right now. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, that was, like, the first time. And it was good. I think I had a really good practitioner for my first one. It was a lot smoother than probably Nick's experience. Yeah, I, I do realise, when I got my first treatment in the student clinic, I realised that, shout out to my dad, not my dad and everything, but the students were so much more gentle than my dad. <laughs> Uh, I, had, I think I had uh, Zoe. Zoe treated me. And, uh, were you there? Hi, Zoe. Were you there? Possibly. I, I you think might have been. treat with Zoe for a while. It was, it was um, the holiday era. Oh, I think we did your re-exam or initial. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. It was, a, it was a, the new because I, I never got anything. Oh, yeah. Maybe we did. Maybe it was Zoe. Hi, Zoe. Yeah, tell me it was Zoe. And she killed it. It was so good. I felt like, oh, it was so good because I remember it was for my eczema. And then she did it, and I was I was just put into this meditative state. It, it was like the weirdest feeling. It was, it was different, but it was really it was really good to get that different um, the different type of treatment opposed to my dad. So we did like an OBS in was it second year? We did our we first do OBS first year with we do like four hours with. Um, oh, is that first year in student clinic or is that just external? Oh, external. Are yeah. we talking about just student? Yeah, clinic? Oh, just I think student. It's second year, yeah. Yeah. So, how did you guys feel about that oh, in terms like of experience a, and it's not like a touch and go thing? Like, I didn't really put too much into it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like, I sat in the back and listened. I didn't really ask as many questions or anything. I just kind of like took it all in, and I was like, okay, well, this is happening. Also, I think when I was there, there was a lot of people in the room as well, so it was just this like person just there in the back, not doing much. Well, that's okay. Yeah. That's... That's a good place to be sometimes. I think it's like a different experience, like actually being in clinic and just second year, you're just looking at it from like a video. It's like when you're there, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, when you're involved, it's completely different to opposed to actually just watching and doing nothing. And how did you find the transition from like being an observer to a co-treater, like actually putting in needles and getting involved in discussions? Like, did you I find think... that experience scary or...? I think it was what are you feeling? daunting at first, but I think because we do so much observation and we build up to it, like it's a good 
transition, we start with taking consults um, and then like start with discussing with the clinicians before we actually perform any treatments. So I do like that gradual transition into becoming a co-treater. I think going into the co-treater like idea, um, I was a terrible observer. I was terrible. Like I, I, I'll shout out to Unbin, um, who was my senior that I was shadowing. I was trash. Now, now being like a, a fourth year that has observers and things like that. Fifth year. Fifth year. Crap. Whoa. Sorry. Yeah. Fifth year. My bad. Sorry. You need thing hasn't started yet. So, um, now that I'm a fifth year and I have observers and I have co-treaters, um, when I was an observer, I was terrible. Like I didn't contribute. I didn't even pay attention. I like, Oh, it was really, really bad. And then, so when I started co-treating, I realized, Oh, I have responsibility. Oh, okay. So what lessons, what things would you go back and tell yourself? Like, how would you fix that? Or if you were to tell somebody else that's coming into student clinic, what would you say to them? Like, this is how I did it, but I feel like you should do more of this or more of this or less of this. You you only do clinic. You only have the opportunity to be in the student clinic for a really short time. You don't realize how short a year is. It's, It's literally just about a year or a year and a half including the observation. It's it's my biggest learning uh, resource. Resource I learned more being in clinic rather than being in class. I mean, class, of course, like, you know. I feel like you consolidate your learning in clinic. It sort of yeah. all comes together. You see cases that are combination cases, where there's this going on and then this, and you're like, oh, so this is the relationship. This is how it actually works. Rather than just being in class and you see like a case study that revolves around the things that you were just talking about in class, because they're fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if your if your type of like learning is hands on and applied, like me, because I, I can I can read a paragraph of of information and register as much, but if I'm actually hands on doing stuff and being involved and seeing real things, I learn better. And if I knew that back then, I would definitely value my observation a lot more and my coaching a lot more too. So for anyone that's actually starting a student clinic and you know that's your way of learning, that's your style of learning, definitely. Definitely put more emphasis in actually paying attention in student clinic, I reckon. Any lessons from Tom? I just like it when people are observing and they just do the towels and like do all the (laughs) the dirty work and stuff. So do more. Do more, yeah. Because like, I feel like if you're actually, it's nice to have someone to do like the towels and like get your needles and stuff, but I think it's better because once you sit down, it's actually like, you're just less engaged. You're not going to do anything. You're just going to sit there, observe zone out and then like zone back in and then you're going to catch little tiny bits but if you're like actively participating you're doing towels you're giving them needles um i like that i like that i think that's what i did too back in the days i think i was a bit more shy when it came with uh people who were really scary who i was following i just i kind of just sat down like oh sorry okay i'll just sit here but for those people that i could actually follow and stuff i was like damn this is fun like i'm gonna i'm gonna just do towels and stuff until I pick something up or I learn something new or yeah, that was really good for me at least. Like being a presence, but not being like present, yeah. like actually being there and like actively listening is, is quite important. You pick up little things. You might not get the whole picture and everything's going around so fast and you're sort of just like, Oh, what's going on? But uh, you sort of pick up those little things, you know, little herbs or acupoints and little pockets of gold. But I think one big thing for me as an observer and as a co-treater or primary 
retreat or whatever now is like knowing where you stand with the other people in the room and like communicating so I've had instances where I've been like oh this is how like I'm this is my room um this is under my name so this is how I like things to run um or like try not to interrupt me in my consult because I'm doing like a slow thing and then um they kind of just disregard how I feel and just kind of try and take over the room a little bit. So I think my advice is communicate with who you're following and make sure you're not stepping on their toes or over any boundaries or anything because, yeah, it just it doesn't look or feel as nice from the other side. That goes for anywhere as well, like not even just student clinics. So if you're observing another practitioner treating or whatever, you know, Remember that that's their space and they've worked hard to get where they are and refine their own skills. So, you know, sometimes you need to just take a step back and observe the whole situation and be like, okay, this may not be the time to ask questions or talk about certain topics. Yeah. Yeah, that being said, it doesn't mean you don't, like, you can't ask any questions. Just pick your moments, like, don't ask questions in front of the patient there's definitely a time and place yeah and just have some like spatial awareness i think is really important yeah and so how did we prep ourselves from our observation in third year to actually starting to co-treat like did you find yourself doing more needling outside or like reviewing some of the notes or classes or things like that reviewing reviewing was a big one uh when you started to see a, a trend of what patients you kind of see you tend to uh, dig deeper into it more. For some reason, I saw a lot of uh, PCOS patients or polycystic ovary syndrome patients. So I did a lot of research into that, you know, um, revised some more of that, and also uh, commonly used points that everyone uses. So then when I started formulating, acupuncture points had to go too, so I wouldn't, like, fall flat on my face, if that makes sense. Yeah, I tried to think about, like, outside-the-box type uh, points. I didn't focus as much as I would like to on herbs and I'm a little bit disappointed in myself about that because herbs is such a big topic. I think everyone's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah I, I, I feel the same way. Just for myself, I feel like acupuncture falls into place really well, but to put some effort into herbs, I would have liked to do that when I first started observing. I mean like, okay, so this patient could have actually done with this formula or this formula and think about the patients that don't get herbs and actively trying to think about prescriptions to give them. I think that's that would would have been way more beneficial for myself. Have you guys ever tried, like, I remember I was very, like, not confident in my needling techniques. So I used to, like, needle, like, an orange. I used to just grab out an orange and just start, like, needling it. Yeah, I did that for a little bit. I just wanted to feel the needle in my hand. Yeah, right. I just, you know, wanted to actually have some sort of, like, feeling and then be like, okay, so this is what I can do with it and this is what I can't do with it and just being able to be comfortable. I think people say like pork belly is yeah. the closest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always the pork belly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat pork belly. They use uh, uh, pork skin as a, as a, I think a practice thing for tattoo artists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can buy like, like a fake pork skin type thing for tattoo artists as well. You don't have to like buy pork belly. Well, yeah, I've just seen on Ink Masters where they had like the giant, the giant pig. And then like doing like an art on the peak. Yeah, that, that was crazy. That was pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, there's other techniques. You can buy like cushions and stuff. And But I, I feel like an orange is, is a pretty good medium to needle into. 
Well, we learned that. We learned the techniques with that, like the whole setting the mountain on fire and all that. How often do you use those techniques? Oh, never. Absolutely not the setting the mouse and not fire one, but like the rest of the stimulation. Yeah, the rest of the stuff. stimulation is like up and down, twist. It, it can be a lot of the time, I don't know why, all those techniques seem to be really, really strong on patients and they don't like that. So I tend to not use them too much or use too strong stimulation unless it's it's warranted for it. Yeah, judge the patient. Yeah, I usually use electron way. Sorry. Like, like a side that. note, have you guys ever felt like when you're stimulating and you want like it's like tight and tense and you just want to keep stimulating until it feels like butter. I don't know if you guys have that. Just like a side note. Do you guys ever have that where it's like, it's very stiff. When you're like doing muscle, muscle recovery type stuff. Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Sometimes you do want like the needle to grab though. Yeah. Right. Really? Why? Like that's when you get like that dirty sensation. It's like uh, grabbing the needle. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my dad was treating someone and the difference between him uh, pre-stimulating and then post-stimulating, the, the needle grabbed. And it was not because just the muscle fibers wrapped around it. It was, mm. it was just because he hit that dirty. I, I really, I, and he, and the patient actually recovered quite well from it. It was really good. How long did it take you to be comfortable um, acupuncturing in the student clinic to be able to be like, okay, so I want to be able to get to this level and I'm going to like get the dirty in these points every, like, or most of the time. Like, because when you start needling, obviously you're very nervous and you got the jitters. But how long did it take to be able to get comfortable? A while. I think a while. I think it's a confidence thing. It, like you said, you're a little bit nervous. But when you realize that's necessary to really go deeper in, it's like you, you, you need to do it. I think after I came back from Vietnam and I saw how brutal they were and just being like, flip in, then I'm like, okay, I, got, I shouldn't hesitate when I do it. So now I'm like struggling. Yeah, so it even, like needling by yourself for like so six months you you're still like testing the waters you know what i mean mm. um what do you guys think i'm not too sure i think for me it was after community clinic and i saw some of the other practitioners yeah, yeah. that were just like straight in and they're like patient was like jumping out of their seats or whatever and they're like nah no pain no gain and i was like damn yeah because but, I, I feel like that's very scary well when somebody jumps, when you're putting a needle in and then they all of a sudden they jump, that's, that's terrifying. It is. And especially when you're, you're nervous yourself and you're like, oh, I don't want to hurt this person. They're coming in here for treatment. I don't want to make them be like yeah. scared of anything. I think I'm somewhere in between now, like not inflicting that much pain on my patients, but I've got a balance of, I go where I need to be. Like I don't, when I, after I tap in, I don't go slowly in. I basically just go straight to the depth I want. And then if then they don't feel anything or I'm not, like I need more, then I'll stimulate. Like I don't do it slowly. Yeah, I'm, I'm about the same lines, yeah. I know you're more, more gentle too. So is that is that different for you at all? Yeah, like normally when I like insert the needle, I can feel it go into like the different layers. Yes. And yeah. it's like after the third and a half layer, that's my general rule of thumb. It's like you, you can feel it like grab and you're like, oh, all right, oh, this is where I should stop. And then I kind of like go on to the next needle I stimulate or whatever. Do you feel that more with like back patients, like back pain patients? I know that there's a certain level where you, oh, especially with really, really tense ones, you needle it and then you hit a soft spot, but then it, it feels like you almost hit a bone yeah. sometimes. And then you start simulating, you start like almost pushing that tad bit more and then it hits that tense muscle and it goes yeah. in. Is that what you mean? Yeah, that's what I love. It's like Whoa. when you go past that le level where it's like 
there's nothing beyond it and you keep pushing and it goes past that level and you're like oof this is like this it's like hitting a pot of gold every time you're like ah oh, this is where it's at yeah and, and sometimes that little firm uh, that firm is it, it, get, it puts you off because you're like oh my god I really don't want to hurt the patient but mm. sometimes you really got to force it in sometimes especially with pain patients because the muscle around there is super tight and for some patients it's ultra ultra tight I know my law back when I was treated they were like uh, I think uh, the students that were treating me were afraid of going into that muscle because it was so tense and they were stimulating and they were also afraid of taking it out because it was really stuck you know so I guess relating it back to the main topic if you're needling just, just be assertive with it most of the time you're doing everything right definitely I think especially when it comes to student clinic what I've told my um, the people I'm mentoring is that like don't be afraid to like try new things or like go all out because while, while you're being supervised and stuff it's all good you don't have to be like holding back because when you go when you leave you're never going to know what's going to happen because no one's going to be there to like watch you or do whatever but I feel like in the same sentence, um, don't be overconfident. Charlene's phone, that's okay. <laughs> it was Adam. Oh, Adam. Shout out to Adam. <laughs> then this is during podcast time, right? Yeah, I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like don't be overconfident, you know, so don't go in like all guns blazing, like I can get this, like be, be humble and be, be able to say to yourself, okay, maybe I need to come back on this point or... I haven't done this right or, you know, I need some help with that. I feel like that's important as well in student clinics. We've got a good opportunity to be able to say, I need some help with this. Can you please help? Or maybe I haven't done this right. How could I do this better? And start to talk to people about like the things that you feel like you're not doing well enough. Like a yin-yang sort of balance, am I right? Right. That's how you know. Hey, that's right like if you, if you think about it yeah it's like overconfidence and stuff it's like more yang aspect and like too shy is a yin aspect right talking about that um this is episode seven so this is like the cutoff for podcasts so most majority of podcasts will fail by episode seven by the way so just just throwing it out there we've Keep usually made episode group. seven that's so optimistic of you Nick. that's wow it. so it's only up from here it's only up from here Right on, right on. Especially if you're at a rock bottom. What? <laughs> hey, there's, there's always up. It's true. There's always, there's up. always up. Maybe sideways. Anyways. Yeah. So what about any tools or resources that we kind of used to prep ourselves or to bring into the room with us? Anything that you brought in with you to help with your consult taking? Get yourself a acupuncture desk reference. Hands down, get yourself that. If you haven't already got one, get it. Don't sleep on it, get it. Do yourself a favor, get one right now. Right now. Or get open up your phone. Don't like keep the podcast running, but <laughs> open up your phone, open up AccuBooks. AccuNeeds Acu or needs. China Books. China books. We're not sponsored, but you not know, yet. you should consider sponsoring. Hey, now. yeah, if you want to sponsor, you hit us up. Hit us up. Uh, so, what is this acupuncture desk? reference that you guys are raving about it is an acupuncture bible it's got everything you need and herbs as well oh, herbs too. yeah it is a like practitioner bible so it's got all the all the stuff that you need uh acupuncture points herbs formulas uh even food um locations and everything just wrapped up into this tiny book that you can just basically go back to if you forget something 
look back into it, see if you need. Also, like, uh, little recommended acupuncture points for certain diseases or certain conditions and things like that. That'll help you formulate a treatment. I will mention it's not the be-all and end-all of information. Like, it doesn't have everything, and some things are not 100%. But, I mean, that's a good reference to have by your side to be like, I need to quickly check on this acupuncture point and location. Like, for location and stuff, it's, it's really good to be just like, there's a picture right there. I can see that it's in this good area, and then it gives, like, a good anatomical description of the location as well. I mean, it's meant to be, like, it's known. It's meant to be used as a reference and not as, like, a guide where you can learn more. It's just meant to be, like, you check something, there it is. Have you read the second volume? I read it. I didn't read it. I flicked through it while I was on external placement one time. Is it any good? It's more. Like, yeah, okay, so yeah, it's more specific about different conditions from what I remember. So if you're just looking for, like, it's got, the, like, the first one has the foundations, and I think the second one is more in-depth about different conditions and things like that. Yeah, right. The other book that I read when starting uh, OBS was um, The Ten Key, for- fa- Ten Key Formula Families by Huang Huang. And which you is rave about that. Yes, that's a good book. <laughs> um, so if you can get your hands on a copy of that, go out and read it. Uh, I'm not going to blab on about it too much, but it just talks about like 10 key herbs and then the formulas that they are used in and how to use them well. But it's a good book. Do you like the Magic 7? Does that involve some of that? Do you know like the uh, the herbs that are in Gujarat? Yeah, Yeah, kind of. Not really, but kind of. <laughs> it like dabbles into it just a tad bit or... I mean... I don't know, that's just my understanding of what you just said, so... Yeah, it's... Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> Damn. But that that's a good game to play um, if you just pick those seven herbs, which are... Oh, do we know them? Off the top of our head, this is... Magic Seven? Quiz, the Magic Seven. Yeah, was, like, uh, what's it, the... Was a game that was in our herbal dispensary that we've played, like, once. No, I haven't played that game. Haven't you? you haven't? I think we've played together. That's okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah anyways we'll, we'll get the we'll get the herbs in a list but and then you just make the formula as many formulas as you can out of those single herbs yeah because you can make it a lot I don't exactly know which ones but you can make a lot yeah yeah now they're, they're a good set of herbs are we is Charlene gonna google it I don't know if it's like a legit thing but it was oh it was a game that we played in mini and in dispensary had yeah, that little jar with all the herbs in it. Yeah, let's let's move on to like a sort of co-treating now, rather than just looking at observation. Yeah, what what kind of stuff did you feel was different as soon as you started entering the room as a co-treater rather than just an observer? For me, I feel like it was a respect thing. Not that I wasn't, not that I was disrespected as an observer, but I had more respect in the terms of like my opinions and ideas about patients and acupuncture points and herbs they i feel like they just i could enter myself into the conversation more and, level, in a way what was that more level in a way. yeah yeah i could just come in and be like look this is what i think yeah no i feel that i feel that i think uh me transitioning from the, the difference between observing and co-treating for me um i think it built a lot more of a relationship between 
the the, the treating student and the co-treater. So, and like between me and my observer, my senior, it, it built up. It built up a lot more relationship, and I was less intimidated. Definitely, I think that adds up to what you were saying, Nick. Basically, yeah. What other what other things did you guys adopt or find when you started co-treating from observing? I think for me, it's like as an observer. I'm just in the corner, I'm just like slowly watching everything to sort of move and operate. Whereas as soon as I hit the co-treater sort of role, it's like, all right, now I'm, I'm in it with, in the space with the main, the main treater and the patient. And it's now like, I need to start thinking about herbs, acupuncture points, what sort of um, lifestyle stuff, advice I can give the patient. It's like, you're now like the assistant to the main boss in that room sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think from like an observer point of view, I think that's a good habit to get into, like start thinking about acupuncture points, write down everything, like all of your thoughts and diagnosis thoughts and stuff like that and see if it comes up in the discussion. And then at the end of the day, you can debrief and be like, oh, so with this, with this patient, like could it have been this or could we have used this points or like, you know, this was my train of thought. Where was I when I was, you know, thinking about that? Like, does this actually make sense or am I on the wrong path? Like, can you help guide me to somewhere else? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That When I was switched on at clinic, that was something that I did really well, uh, that I sorry, valued a lot, was that, you know, you make a mock acupuncture prescription, you make a mock herb concoction and like a diagnosis and things like that. Uh, it, was, it was really, really valuable for me to do that. And then I'd feed it back to the senior, I'd feed it back to the practitioner, like maybe, uh, while they're having the discussion, the, the senior and the uh, clinician, I just throw in, can we use this? And it was used, you know, it's, it's appreciated, that type of thing. Yeah, as long as you're in the ballpark and you're sort of, you, you know where that boundary is, you know, that comes back to that respecting the space oh, totally. Yeah, How did you find your transition, Charlene, when it's like, this is from observer to uh, co-treater now? Like, how did you find that sort of transition? I think I had definitely prepped more before each shift, like each individual shift as a co-treater than as an observer. I think when I was an observer, I just rock up and then kind of take it all in. But when I was a co-treater, I was like, okay, I have to get there early, like read the patient files, go through the history, make sure I know what's going on so I'm not thrown off during a consult. But that being said, I was still thrown off during consults and I was just like, okay, just go back to the basics, go back to your diagnosis. If you get a consult that you're like completely, I don't know what this is, I don't know what to ask, just go back to your basics, I think. Do you mean taking the consult? Yeah. So that, that's actually a good one. Um, in terms of uh, transitioning from just co-treating and assisting to actually taking lead of the consults and uh, creating your own prescriptions and things like that. How did you find making your own acupuncture prescriptions, leading leading treatment and so on? I think, I'm not sure actually, I just have random, like the patient will say something or there'll be a trigger and I'll be like, oh, this is a good point or this will be a good herb in a formula or something like that. But I think all these thoughts just pop up during the consult and I need time like after the consult, whether I'm waiting in line to um, discuss with the clinician or whether I just need a moment to kind of gather these thoughts and be like, look, this is what we're looking at. All of these thoughts that have popped up, are they relevant? And I think 
you have to learn, I'm still learning, but to organise your thoughts. I had something to say. I was going to say something. Um, you got to retrieve it. You can do it. <laughs> Organise. Uh, yeah, that, that comes back to it all being like pieced together. So when you start to get like into that co-treating role and becoming like a senior student, it really does piece together. So don't be too like afraid or upset or scared that it might not be piecing together straight away as like a younger student and everything might be all over the place, but it will piece together and it will come together. So that's, don't be too like afraid of that. Something I like told uh, one of my mentees is like, what you want to do, especially in the consult is role in control. So roll with what the patient's sort of saying, go with like, like properly listen to them first. And then after that, follow up with the questions and just try and roll and control the sort of consult and lead them down the path to help with your diagnosis, right? Like guide them. Like guide them. Guide yeah. the patient as well as guiding your diagnosis to see where you're sort of going with the next sort of question rather than be like, oh, how's your bowels and stuff? Oh, how's your diet? It's like, uh, like it doesn't flow very well where it's like, oh, where's the pain now? Oh, how's your urination? It's like, oh, this doesn't really work very well. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel yeah. like it's flowing. On that, on that if, you, if you are stuck in terms of asking questions, you go with, go with the flow of the patient too. Like, for example, when they start talking about their diet and you can be like, okay, so when you eat, and you're digesting, is it hard to digest? Mm-hmm. And then so like when you're flowing with the patient and they're talking about their condition, you can always lead off questions to what they're saying. And yeah, like when you follow the momentum of the patient and things like that, you tend to pick up certain things that you might not have if you're just asking blatant questions, you know? Let's move on to what it's actually like to treat the patient. Being, being the big boss in the room, like the room is now all yours to sort of control with you might have co-treaters in there or observers, but you definitely have the patient and it's you and the patient and now you're in charge of their sort of progression and improvement in health. What do you, how do you feel that sort of new role has changed you? It's definitely di- a different dynamic. Um, you, you feel that like power or that control over the room. You're like this, what I say in this room is going to be sort of what goes. Um, I enjoy it. <laughs> Not that it's like a, you know, power hunter, but <laughs> I, I do enjoy that, you know, the feeling of being respected. Do you ever feel any pressure that's like you are the one that they're focusing on and they'll like ask you a question, they'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm on this medication or I want to take something for like this condition, like diet wise or something like that. Like, do you feel pressure that it's like All this is- the time. You, you constantly feel that pressure, especially when like those random questions come and you're like, I don't know what the hell you're on about, but I'm going to spit something that's going to sound good and avoid your question. <laughs> but I think it's also okay to be like, I'm not sure. Let me click, like, let me check with the clinician. Yeah. I, I normally start all of those with, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, and then just go on to some, something that's semi-related, but it just sort of pushes me through. And then they look at me like, oh yeah. Oh, so, so relatable. Yeah. I mean, we know what we're talking about most of the time. They get us wrong, but like, yeah. but there are definitely questions that yeah. are just like throw you, and you're just like, I'm gonna have to quickly think on my feet while I think about this, and maybe I'll just come back to it later and just bring it up in a conversation. Mm-hmm. And be like, so it's okay if you feel like you don't know everything. You don't have to have the answers for everything. I mean, we'll 
pick up, you learn from your experiences. So if you ever get that question thrown at you again, you'll know how to answer it. Yeah, definitely. I think for my experience, at least, from changing from co-treater to main treater, Main treater? Yeah. Leading treater. Leading treater, yeah. Primary treater? Pardon? Primary treater? Primary treater, yeah. From from that sort of role, it's like, it's, oh, I had, I don't think I learned as much as I should have when I was co-treating for me at least. And it was like a huge step for me between co-treating and treating because I don't think I got, I didn't involve myself as much in co-treating as I should have. You just sort of rode the wave. I did just ride the wave. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like... I should have pushed myself harder, but that's just me being critical of myself, but I feel like I should have pushed myself harder to focus on the things that I didn't do well rather than focus on the things that I do do well and make those a bit better. I'm, I'm kind of lucky in the sense that my senior literally gave me full control of the room in the last couple of weeks that we were together. She basically was like, okay, you're taking all these patients. I'll, I'll literally just be coaching. I'm not going to do anything today. And then so I had full control and I was used to that. The only difference is I didn't have a safety net when I was alone. So that was a little bit harder. I, I had full control, but I still I still knew I had that safety net. So I wasn't pushing myself to be like, you have to do this like by yourself because I knew just behind me there was somebody that would pick me up if I fell. Exactly. But exactly. When, they, when they go and then you fall... You're like, well, oh well. <laughs> it's like you a know. do or die sort of thing. Yeah, yeah you, you sort of have to just get over it. Have you, in a sense, fallen with quotations uh, mm, yeah. since you've been alone? There's definitely been moments where you're like, I could have done that way better. And you just sit in silence for 30 to a minute, you know, and you're just like, I don't know what's going on. And I don't know the next question to ask, but we're just sitting here looking at each other awkwardly because <laughs> I'm definitely confused. So just in relation to consults, is that right? Or yeah, mainly in relation to consult. Yeah. How about like uh, manual stuff? Because that's my fear mostly is just stuffing up with manual techniques or like acupuncture and things like that. I'm not as concerned um, because like if I know I stuff up an acupuncture point or, you know, I get it in the wrong place, I can always try again on the other side. And if I stuff it up again, I can always try again next time. You know, I, I always be in the ballpark, but like I'm not too concerned about getting exactly in the right spot because it's student clinic. I think I always ask the clinician if they threw a point, point at me that I didn't know, I was just like, can you please come watch me do it? Oh, or definitely. can you definitely. like, yeah, just make sure that I'm doing it okay? And I think it was helpful in the beginning when we were co-treating, the clinician would come in and check on our like needling, like the angle and everything like that. I found that really helpful. So just to wrap this up, can we go around and say like one cardinal thing you would tell to people coming into student clinic? Um, something that you would go back on and say, like, I well, I recommend you do this. So we can just go around and... Let's start with you, Nick. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would recommend that they brush up on herbs. I think herbs is quite important um, and keep herb knowledge sort of up. Don't like pressure yourself to know every single herb, but just keep thinking about herbs is one thing that I didn't do that I wish I did. Do you want to go next week? Uh, yeah, I've got something. I think I've got something. Uh, get involved. When you're, when you're observing or co-treating, just get involved as much as you can without being... Uh, obstructive like you're doing 
that whatever you're doing, uh, it'll go a long way, basically. Don't be afraid to ask for feedback and don't be afraid to not know things. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. One. Go on, Tim. Have you got anything, Tim? Uh, I think for me, as a co-treater, yeah. Uh, yeah, as somebody coming into, like, student clinic. As an observer or a co-treater? You're talking to somebody that is about to start student clinic. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I think, depending on what your role is, I think, yeah, you definitely have the safety net of being in a student clinic, so people generally understand if you're a student and you don't know stuff. So definitely don't be afraid to ask any questions to the actual patient, especially if it's, like, touchy or, like, it's a bit iffy. Don't be afraid to dive head deep into it and just really ask the patient relevant questions. And don't forget to ask us questions as well. If we've kind of mentioned something that you want to know more about or we didn't mention anything, you just want more tips, feel, us, feel free to send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. And thank you for listening to today's episode. There are new episodes out every Thursday. And, yeah, don't forget to comment what you'd like to hear about next. Have you got anything to say, Ben? Sorry, that was a great segue. Amazing. Uh, That was a a top-notch segue. Sorry, I had to put that out there. That was great. Thank you. And, as always, we've been the Forever Young Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.